0: hey hey welcome to novel finds the podcast where we talk about your favorite books our favorite books and everything in between hey i'm maggie i am here without julia today and um i'm interviewing a few bookstores in lieu of edinburgh's independent bookshop week and first up i am here with type ronger bookstore hey hey how are you
1: hello i'm doing i'm doing well i'm doing very well yes yeah
0: wonderful well to start off we have a little warm up question for you. Do you prefer, personally, hardcover or paperback books?
1: Well, now that, that's a very tricky question to ask a bookseller because <laughs> yes. every time we sell a hardback book, we are, of course, making more money. <clears throat> so you know, it, whenever a hardback book you know leaves the shop, you know, my, my 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 heart swords. But yeah, if I'm very very strictly honest in terms of reading them myself, yeah, I like paperbacks because I tend to be reading on the go. I like to read you know on trains. I especially like reading in the pub. I'm, I'm a disgustingly antisocial person. I like to go to the pub, an allegedly social space, with none of my friends, and then sit and read a book. That's my idea of fun. And for that, you want a paperback that you can just chuck in your tote bag or whatever. Um, and it's yeah, much easier. Also, though, you know, hardback books, of course, can be read multiple times without falling apart, whereas paperback you have to be very careful about the spines and all this kind of thing. I do find that you know, I, I might want to lie back in bed and hold the book above me. And if you fall asleep with a particularly weighty tone, for instance, anything by Hilary Mantel, you are likely to concuss yourself. So yes. uh, I, I think that there's a health and safety point there, too.
0: Absolutely. You're just taking care of yourself by reading paperbacks. Exactly.
1: Exactly. And I'm cheating.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, um, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and Typewriter Books?
1: Of course, uh, about me, uh, oh, right, well, uh, my name's uh, T or Tom. I was uh, born in the far north of Scotland and had an entire career as a whiskey whiskey seller or whiskey taster um, before running away to sleep in a bookshop in Paris in 2012, it was. I'm sure many of your listeners will know the bookshop I'm talking about. I ended up working there for a while, too. Um, I moved back to Edinburgh in 2017 uh, to start up Type Wronger. We began uh, with me selling books in the street from police telephone box, uh, which was just a sort of once a week thing. And from that, I was eventually able to move into the premises that the shop is in now, which is right next door to McNaughton's bookshop. And oldest oldest antiquarian bookshop. And in fact, we rent our premises from them. When both shops are open, you can wander between the two and see new books and indie publications and zines and small presses on our side and around on their side and see antiquarian rare books and of course uh, a really just good selection of second hand so it's nice to be associated with that business and to to take on that space so uh, we moved in in 2018 or I moved in in 2018 I ran the shop on my own for a year uh, because I didn't have any money and then uh, since then I have been very fortunate to hire Elsa uh, and Viv who work here on the days that I don't or the times that I don't and uh, probably know a lot more about books than me. They should probably be the ones answering your questions. But, uh, but, but, such is life. You have got me tough. Um, and uh, we've been we've been going ever since we got through the old pandemic, which was tricky for everyone, of course. But we're glad to be kind of on the other side of it now. And the shop seems to be doing okay. So yeah, we're 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 getting by. And uh, of course, as I mentioned before, we started the interview uh bookshops are constantly on the make and having to sort of you know struggle to sort of make ends meet and everything that's that's part of the fun of it really uh but we're we're doing okay and uh having having fun at the same time which is the main thing
0: That's wonderful. That's so nice. I have been in the shop a few times and I love it in there. So cute and very good vibes and I like being able to walk in between the two bookstores. So when you I this is going off track a little bit when you mm-hmm. ran away to Paris
1: mm-hmm.
0: was this incredibly spontaneous spur of the moment, or? Apparently, yeah,
1: I mean I, I mean, I I got to the stage in my life where I realized I hadn't really read a book in about two years and I could feel my brain atrophying and I kind of wanted to work on my own writing and I wanted to work on reading and I kind of wanted to reach out and get the sort of creative uh, and artistic and, and musical community that i would had at university. I, I wanted that back. I found that in the world of work, I wasn't really getting it enough. So I ran away to this mysterious bookshop in Paris. Everyone was at Shakespeare and Company. <laughs> I ran away to Shakespeare and Company. And they had this tumbleweeding program where you can sleep in the bookshop if you're if you're working on your own writing for uh, for a certain amount of time. And if you do work in the shop, uh, shelving books and things for about two hours a day. It was then I realized that bookshops aren't this kind of community and, and offered this kind of space where you could still progress in your own thoughts and interests and ideas, not in a formal academic setting, but in a setting that, that kind of you were in control of. But sure, you could meet peers and you could talk to people and you could kind of find out about other people's projects and interests, too. So that was a huge influence for me in starting Typewriter and trying to, to foster this space uh, where people can come and uh, have events, or we have art exhibitions in the shop, or we do our own publishing. I often advise people on publishing in small presses. I kind of act as a bit of a small press mentor, and uh, as a result, I know that there are a lot of people who I know that there are a lot of people who've made friends through through Type Wronger and who have started up creative partnerships and, and enterprises through Type Wronger, and I'm intensely proud of that. Um, the book selling thing is obviously very important too. Don't get me wrong, you know, that we do need to sell books to keep the lights on, but <laughs> the stuff that we're providing for our community for free, that is actually kind of maybe more important. And certainly the fact that Shakespeare and Company has always done that and continues to do that to this day, I was, uh, I, I had a profound influence on me and, and how I would start up my own bookshop.
0: Uh, that is so beautiful. I think like books, the community of bookstores or the friends that you meet when you're at bookshops are so special. When I go to bookstores, I feel like I'm comfortable talking to strangers, like about different books, and people will like give me recommendations. It's so nice.
1: This is this is how it begins. There's always this, and there's often people who will in bookshops be there and they're, they're giving recommendations, and I'm I'm just sitting at the till going, That's great. I don't have to do any work then." Boom. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> suppose I'll have to get on with these invoices, damn. Um, <laughs> Uh that was in fact exactly how Viv got hired. Uh she's a student at Edinburgh Uni who would just hang out at the bookshop all the time recommending books to customers. I was looking for someone to to work Saturday, first half of the day shift and it's like, Viv, you give good recommendations. You seem to have read everything that we've got.
0: That's perfect. <laughs> <Have a
1: job. laughs> and that's it. We sort of collect stuff, you know, as well as, as as everything else.
0: Uh well, what would you say is the biggest draw of Tybronger books?
1: The biggest draw, I, mm-hmm. ooh, uh, there's so many things. That's a very difficult question to answer. What I would say is that the, the, the ethos of the, of the bookshop as a creative space and such like will be a draw to many, many people. But of course, the vast majority of people coming in are for the most part trying to get books. And a lot of the time, they may just be visiting the city, so They're not going to have time to really, they can come to our events and they can get to know people, but they're not going to be able to, to stick around for long enough. Uh, to, to 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 always be in and become regulars. The draw for them is that we've got a very curated selection of books. And when you're thinking about our style of book selling as opposed to other styles, uh, when you go into a large bookshop, they'll have a copy of everything. And it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Because if you want this book by this author, very good chance it's there. If you have a really, really specific niche interest, you know, the, the, then that bookshop will probably have something on it there for you. Whereas in Type Runner, it's a case of if you come in here, we don't have loads of books. We've only got about 1,700 titles. That might sound like a lot, but like a large, you know, store, like like a large uh, um, branch of Blackwell's or Watterson's or whatever would have, you know, 70,000 titles. So yeah. we, we've we've really got a lot less than you'll get in a bigger bookstore. Book we've got a lot of stuff that you won't find in those bookstores, though, a lot of the small press stuff and indie press stuff that we specialise in. And what we do have that you'll also find in those bookstores, we have given sort of pride of place. We've hand-chosen our titles. So instead of having to go through huge, you know, shelves and shelves and shelves of books, which can be very overwhelming. And sometimes you kind of wonder, you know, you want a wee bit of a steer as to where you might go. When you go into a very small bookshop and it's very well curated – I like to think well curated, but we're, we're very curated. We're curated <laughs> to our tastes. Whether you think it's well curated or not, is going to be down to, to whether you agree with us. But you're going to see the presence of the booksellers, what they're interested in, what they like. Uh, you'll find that we've got these little belly bands that have like the staff picks on them and it's sort of written up what we like, but also it's just that each title here Though I don't claim to have read every book on the premises, I've certainly read a good few hundred of them. And I know why books are picked. And, and They're full-order books, else will order books. It's the three of us working together on this. But it, it does mean that you get this kind of tight collection. And it means that you'll get some weird stuff. I mean, we're particularly hot on certain areas. So, for instance, we're really big on poetry. We do a lot of stuff with performance poetry and small presses. Uh, although we have classic poetry in too. But that means that we've got a really well put together, even if I say so myself, really well put together poetry section because I'm big on poetry. Elson Vivar as well. Uh, it's something that all three of us uh, share a love of. But it certainly means that with that and with that kind of events program and poetry events, which is kind of what we do more of than anything else. Most bookshops, I think would do more like chatting to authors about novels and, and yeah. uh, such, like, uh, which which we do as well, but we don't do anywhere near as much as we do the poetry thing. And so, you know, Someone who wants poetry books in Edinburgh and they want to get poetry books that have been imported from a random Canadian radical bookshop, or they want poetry that has been produced just down the road uh, by someone off of a Rhizagraph machine as the chapbook, or they want, you know, more sort of common poems by, you know, that have come out from Faber or what have you. We'll have it all here and it will be a wonderful little experience for them, like a wonderful little box of delights for them to go through. What we get a lot of people saying is that they'll look at our shelves and they'll see books that they've read and that they love. And they'll see a lot of books that they've read and that they love. And they'll go, wow, this is like all the stuff I really enjoy. And then they'll see something they don't know. And they know they can trust taking down that book they don't know because of what they see around it. And that's the thing. So for us, the draw for Type Wronger, for a customer, for someone who's wanting to buy books, is definitely going to be that level of curation, the fact that you might find something that you wouldn't get elsewhere, or that will even prompt you to read something that you wouldn't otherwise have read. I mean, for instance, you know, say we're looking at classic literature. Uh, well, least earlier today, I sold a, a book of short stories by Teffy, who's a Russian emigre. Uh, this is something that's done by Pushkin Press. And this is a classic piece of literature, you know, uh, she escaped Russia, you know, with the revolution and everything. But it's maybe not something that people would necessarily go for, you yeah. know, or know existed or what have you. So, that's the great thing about small press, like right, about small book selling, is that we will find these little these little gems that we want to highlight and bring out, and push in your direction. But I mean, of course, we can do the customer ordering thing too, and we often do. Uh, the best customer order I ever had was for a pornographic knitting book.
0: Oh my! <laughs>
1: uh, I think even in a larger bookshop, you would struggle to find that sort of thing just on the shelf. It probably is always going to be um, a customer order kind of scenario. But uh, yeah, that was good. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Do you find that there are certain books or genres that people seek at your bookstore? I know you just mentioned that you have a really great selection of poetry. Like, do you find that once people are familiar with your shop, that they come there looking for certain genres or books?
1: Yes. So certainly uh, poetry would be a big thing. Yeah. Um... Ancient worlds and sort of classical stuff. This was something I did at university, especially uh, reception of ancient ideas into modern, which has become a much more popular thing recently. Uh, But I was doing it 10 years ago before it was cool. Um, uh, (laughs) um, People will come here also for uh, a lot of our sci-fi and fantasy books. Again, I've got an interest. Viv has a big interest there. Elsa is great with our more literary fiction And uh, because she's an intellectual, you see, Um, you know, uh, but no, I think, you know, uh, Elsa rather has a really good eye for a sound style of of, of sort of classic literature that that often can be quite, quite poignant and moving. A lot of the time, I think when people come to our shop, they are looking for an emotional connection as well. That's why the poetry thing is so popular. That's Mm -hmm. why. Some of these sort of literary fiction things can be so popular, but then again, sometimes they're just looking for an escape so sci-fi, fantasy, genre fiction in general, murder mystery, all that kind of thing. Um, where I'm, where intelligent things are done as well. I mean, I don't think these are any lesser. You know, in fact, of like, course, in, in many yeah. In the harder to write these books, but there, but there's these yeah different things that people will come for. There's there's a, a wide variety of things. We've got a little occult section in the back. Our cookery section is is quite quite nicely done because. Although we have a few recipe books, we do a lot of stuff on uh, the theory of cooking. Uh, really? So, you know, oh, cool. yeah. So I, I'm more interested in how do you work out your own recipes by understanding what's going on in the pan. So we'll have a lot of books on the theory of cooking or the history of cooking and things like that too. It it, it all it all varies. I mean, there's a lot going on. It's it's hard to pin it all down. And any bookshop you go into will do a little bit of everything. Yeah. yeah I suppose uh, we do have a few areas we specialize in, and. Uh, especially with the small press stuff that often overlaps with the poetry.
0: What would you say is like your personal favorite genre slash? If you have one, I know it's really hard. A favorite book. It's my
1: personal genre slash. No, I I, I, mean, there's nothing wrong with slash fiction, I suppose. but No, Um, no, my my personal favorite genre is really difficult. What I will say is this, if I'm not reading uh, poetry or fiction, I am most likely to be reading something to do with ancient mythology or reception and society. Um, these are the sort of things that I will look at. I am not really, in spite of the classical thing, much of a general historian. Um, and I'm maybe not so huge on, I read some things in sort of politics and such like, but I'm not so huge on that. Then again, Elsa and Vivar. So it, 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 it's it's sort of tricky. But my favourite genre, I'm afraid I think, I think possibly my favourite genre is going to be a sort of fantasy. I love love a fantasy. I love an urban fantasy. Yes. Uh, I think these these can be really great fun. And sometimes they can say sort of really clever things um, as well. So one example of that I would give would be Magic for Liars by Sarah Gailey, um, which is one of these kind of, you've got this like hard-boiled detective. She's like essentially a muggle or whatever she doesn't have any magic her sister's magical and is it a magical school there's a murder at the magical school and all kinds of stuff happens as a result with this kind of private investigator slash magic thing going on the thing is is that some of the i'm not i don't want to give anything away but some of the themes and ideas that come out of this are quite profound and and there's definitely you know the possibility of that in 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 the fantasy world Uh, but at the same time it is a little bit of uh and escape it is a little bit of you know get, getting into somewhere totally different and, and seeing a different world
0: i'm gonna have to add that to my list because that book sounds amazing
1: <laughs> it's really pretty damn cool it's pretty damn cool yeah definitely worth it so if you want the spoiler bit it's, it's that it actually does end up a lot on like discussing ideas of abortion and is quite um yeah there's a lot going on in it um but yeah worth worth a read
0: definitely i'll have to check it out i wish my co-host could be here she is the biggest fantasy reader that wow. i know wow. she awesome. has probably Brilliant. read it yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so i have been in a few times to type wronger, um and i have gotten like little origami animals Indeed. on my way out so i'm <laughs> just wondering do you make them how did okay. this so what's trend the deal with start? the origami yes
1: let's go back in time to when i was um <laughs> I mean, I'm still completely skint. I'm a bookseller. But when I was skint the first time around and selling books in the street out of a police telephone box, I wanted to have a proper bookshop. I had no money. I had a maxed out overdraft. And I had a carpet that I put down in the street and an armchair I'd take out and these folding bookshelves and things. I wanted it to be proper bookshop experience. One of the things I offered was to wrap the books up for customers. if They were getting them as gifts. This was slightly misguided. Most people do buy books as gifts. Most people buy books for themselves. But <laughs> if someone bought a book as a gift, I would wrap it in brown paper and string because I had no money. And I would put a little origami animal behind because I didn't have any money, but I had a lot of time. And I I like making little origami animals and things. So yes, it's me that, that started making them. The thing is, people realized this, and they, they didn't really want the book wrapped. They just wanted the origami animal <laughs> because the book was for them. So it turned into I would give away an origami animal with every purchase. When I moved into the shop uh, on Haddington Place, my customers from Police Box followed me, and they wanted their origami animals. And so I had to keep making the origami animals. And, of course, there's new customers by the shop. I was still giving out these origami animals every single time. Would you like a frog, a shark, a dragon, or an elephant? And this would happen on every single transaction. So when Elsa got employed, um, when I hired Elsa, we were actually hiring from, I think, over 100 applicants. In the interviews... Of the, the top 10, everyone had to make a paper aeroplane as part oh, of the no. interview. I wanted to see that they could be neat and fold things properly because I knew I was going to have to teach them. And so Elsa, in fact, submitted a typewritten CD with an origami elephant. So I already knew she was going to be good at this. Uh, but yes, El- Elsa had to learn the frog, the shark, and the dragon <laughs> as well. And then Viv, who uh, who works here, the student who works here on Saturdays, she's also had to learn the frog, the shark, the dragon, the elephant. And, you know, I gave Viv a big packet of origami paper to take home to do her homework, basically. <laughs> and then she's like, my flat's now covered in dragons and elephants.
0: <laughs> Sounds amazing to me.
1: It's brilliant, yes. So who makes them? We all do. Why do we make them? I thought it was a good idea right at the start when I was selling books in the street and I've not been able to escape from it since. Um, at the same time, I will say, though it is time-consuming, there is something quite therapeutic about it. So, you know, I'd say to anyone, if you're interested in origami, go on YouTube, type in type origami frog. There is a tutorial on how to make the origami frog. And then you can, you know, practice making frogs and, uh, and, and learn things and carry on. So that was Johnny from Out of the Blueprint, which is a local Risograph studio, um, which you may be aware of out of the Blue Drill Hall just down on Downey Street um so they print up our uh, zines so one of our zines oh hang on I don't have it right on me because I've just wrapped up a bunch of them but one of them is Nebula by Amy Matthews who's a comedian um from Leon C I, I think originally I think so maybe scrap that bit she lives between Edinburgh and Glasgow and she, she gigs up here and in lockdown was uh having real difficulties getting gigs and things because lockdown you're not allowed yeah. to gig so she wrote this cartoon book which we published and then we also published the little zine, 10 Ways to Commit Murder with a Royal Ten Typewriter, which is written by yours truly. Uh, and that's uh, the little folding one sheet of, of horrific cartoons of people being murdered with typewriters. And then, as a blueprint, also print our tote bags. Ooh, a new yellow. And it is the sort of yellow I like. Oh, ha, ha And then they've also brought us a new zine of theirs that we're going to stock. So this is a huge stock-up that you're witnessing happening in the shop right now. This is real shop life.
0: Wow, um, I feel yes, like I'm getting people, a glimpse into the, the day-to-day.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but the, re- the, the reason I talk about New Orleans is a bookshop in New Orleans who's ordered a bunch of copies of our zines that we now have to send out. We sell our stuff all over the all over the world, and uh, sometimes it's at private individuals. But, yeah, we sell to trade, too. Um, so we do operate as a, a real-life small press publisher. Uh, we need to do some more publishing projects. We've not done anything this year. We normally try and do a project a year. We did two projects in lockdown. So more time we'll have to see what we can do this time
0: that is so exciting thank you so 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 much for thank coming you. on and joining me today it's been so nice to talk about you to talk about you well i guess to talk about you and your shop i and love to talk to you.
1: about me <laughs> i find me fascinating
0: <laughs> i would agree well um for our listeners who are in the uk could you just let us know where you're located and what your hours are
1: of course Um, We are located, we are Type Books, located at 4A Haddington Place. It is a little basement bookshop. There are multicoloured lights outside, so you should be able to find us, but it can be tricky because it's this sort of down a little flight of steps. And our opening hours are 11 o'clock in the morning until 9 o'clock at night every day of the week. Our website is dot that has links to our online shop and social media. And if you want to order books or get in touch with us about anything, just email info at com.
0: Wonderful. Thank you so much again. And to all of our novel friends, stay tuned for our next bookshop interview. Hey, everyone. It's me again, Maggie. What's up? I'm here to talk about the second bookstore that we're talking about for the Edinburgh Indie Bookshop Week. And I am here to talk to you guys about the Portobello Bookshop in uh, Portobello, on Portobello Beach here in Edinburgh. Unfortunately, um, they couldn't come and chat with me live, but they sent me an email with some of the wonderful events that they are hosting this week. And I just wanted to chat with you guys a little bit about the bookstore. Um, This bookstore is actually the first bookshop that I went to when I moved to the UK. This one will always have a special place in my heart. I had heard of it because of V.E. Schwab. Um, She had posted about it at some point, and it just stuck out to me. And I followed them on Instagram, and they had posted about—oh, I think they had posted that they were dog-friendly, and that just was really exciting to me. So Matilda and I took a walk to Portobello Beach, and we went to the bookstore. And you guys, this shop is just so beautiful. It is sunny and warm and absolutely lovely, and the people are so sweet. Um, some of the best people around work there, and I cannot recommend this bookstore enough. And I also just have to say, very exciting for me, they now have a book subscription box. I have never had a book subscription box before. I know that they are fairly common. You can get a wide variety of them. And when I saw that there was one um in my local area, in my city, with the Portobello Bookshop, I knew that I had to get it and my first box comes next month and I I am so excited. I'm so excited. So, I will leave a link for those if you guys are interested in those subscription boxes. 10 out of 10, cannot recommend enough. Um, but while I have you guys here, I'm just going to talk to you guys about some of the events that they're hosting for the Indie Bookshop Week. They have this really great event for children. It's a reading and drawing workshop with illustrator Eilid Muldoon. Gosh, I am so sorry if I'm mispronouncing any names. Um, for adults, they have two different events. They have an evening with Rebecca Solna in conversation with Chitra Mramaswamy. And in addition, they have a book group that is reading Oranges Are Not the Only Fruit. And it is an LGBTQ plus book that they are reading during this Indie Bookshop week. If you guys are interested in these events, I will be leaving a link in our episode description. Um, they also have a few other Indie Bookshop Week activities, which are really exciting. They have a display of titles from a variety of small presses to celebrate independent publishing. Independent publishing is so important. I think it's so cool that they are really advertising a wide variety of books. That's absolutely amazing. And not only that, but they have an in-store signing with author Mo Wild for the release of her debut nonfiction book, The Wilderness Cure. Um, you guys, if you are in the area, I highly recommend checking out these events. I will be leaving a link, as I said, in the episode description, so definitely check it out if you're in the area. Thank you so much for joining me on this uh, little, little chat, and stay tuned because I will be chatting with Argonaut Books in just a second. Hey, 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 one of your hosts, Maggie, and I am here with our third bookshop interview of this episode. I am here with Argonaut Books, which is A personal love for me because it is less than uh, 300 feet away from my house. And I am speaking with Adam, who owns the bookshop. Adam, how are you doing?
2: I'm doing very well. Thank you.
0: Thank you for being here. Uh, Round two, we attempted to uh, record this meeting earlier today. And then when I went to play it back, there was no sound. (laughs) So we are doing this once again. I appreciate you coming back later today. How was your day at the store? Hmm.
2: Busy, which is good, and long, which is good. But yeah, absolutely fine.
0: Nice. Amazing. Well, to kick things off, a little warm-up question. Adam, how do you organize your books in your personal collection?
2: So I think the first time we recorded this, I talked about how chaotic my book organization system was. And then I went home yes. for lunch and felt a bit guilty about it. So I tidied up a bit. But I think generally it's, it's piles. The books come in, they go on a pile, I read the one off the top, he goes on another pile, it's complete chaos. But I think that's that's just who I am. I think, unfortunately, I don't think I'm going to be able to force myself to change.
0: I think that's okay. Do you have your piles separated by any sort of genre? Or do, does the next book just go on the pile?
2: I guess there is a sort of loose sorting. Because when I do buy books, I kind of buy a lot of the same thing all at once. So yeah, okay. I guess there is a kind of natural sifting sortage system to it.
0: There we go. I my books are never organized. I really admire people who organize their books, who have the patience to organize them by color <laughs> or by author. It sounds me very mine just go on the shelf right now. I think they're mostly just organized by size because I have one tiny bookshelf and one big bookshelf. <laughs> so
2: well, they just
0: go wherever they fit. Yeah, exactly. Well, could you tell us just a little bit about yourself and about the bookshop?
2: Sure. So um yeah, well I've worked in books for a long time now. Since I was probably about sort of 17, 18 working in bookshops to work through uni. I started off in psychology and linguistics, but when it came to the end of that and there wasn't really many jobs available, I ended up just pivoting to my other passion and working in Waterstones, Blackwells, a couple of indies, ended up working for the book festival, managing their bookshop and doing a lot of their Book related stuff. And then that just was kind of a natural transition into what I'm doing now and taking a lot of cues from my background doing book events and making a sort of very open, changeable bookshop space.
0: That's amazing. As you were working more and more in different bookshops and bookstores and for the book festival, did you start to realize that you wanted to own your own space? Or what was the moment that really made you realize that?
2: No, this was never really the plan. it was an opportunity that came along with a space in my dream location. And, you know, it was outside of the original budget and many other limiting factors, but it was the kind of opportunity you didn't say no to. And I would rather i
0: yeah.
2: have given it a go now rather than sort of wait for the, the safer option because, you know, maybe it will never come around again.
0: Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. And I have to say, perfect location for me, too, because it is (laughs) so close to my house. (laughs) Um, Have you always been a reader? Have you always enjoyed books?
2: I have. When um, When I was really young, I read a lot. And then there was a period, I think, between probably the ages of about 12 and 16, which I think happens to a lot of young boys, where if you don't want to read about spies or the army or zombies, and you don't have someone in your life who can get interesting books in front of you, then you can just <laughs> sort of end up dropping off. You know, I think it happens to a lot of younger people. But I was very lucky, and I rediscovered reading again at exactly the right time. But yeah, there was a period of my life where I wasn't a reader. But since then, it's just been back to being a completely ravenous book devourer again.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. I, I small tangent. I got my undergrad, in, my undergrad degree in English and theater. And I felt mm-hmm. like I had to do so much reading for my classes that yeah. I stopped reading for fun. And I, Excellent. I really just started reading again like two years ago, and mm-hmm. I've just redeveloped my love for it. And it's, it's so amazing, yeah. and it's so nice to come well, back as to long it, it. Yeah,
2: as long as it's still your, um, as long as it's still relaxing. I think, I think, if yeah, being relaxing. I think people try and force themselves to read, and you never should read what you want when you want. There's never a Never a timescale or a pressure to it.
0: Absolutely, I am. Um, last year, I had a goal to read a hundred books, mm-hmm. and it was very fun, but very, very stressful. So this year, oh. I'm my goal is just to read books by new authors and sure. genres that I wouldn't normally read to broaden my horizon. So I don't stress <laughs> myself out because reading should be fun.
2: Exactly.
0: Well, what would you say is the biggest draw of Argonaut Books? Um, being in Edinburgh, we're lucky to have so many. Mm. bookstores and so many independent bookstores what would you say is unique different or really special about yours?
2: Oh, I, can't I think we're number I think when we opened we were number 12 but it's probably gone up since then yeah well I think the shop is definitely based on a lot of the ideas I brought from previous work where the space is very modular the, um, none of the shelves are fixed to the walls we move everything around a lot it's a sort of medium-sized shop as well so we can have lots of different layouts, good for events. But the um the book range as well, when, you know, we've got a we've got a good range, but we're not the biggest bookshop in the world. So it means we can be very choosy about what we sell. We can be you know, the silver lining to having limited space is that you can really think carefully about every book that goes on your shelves. It means you can just, you know, you're not just overwhelmed with the number of books. You can really sort of curate and think and get good books in, ones that you appreciate.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Do you find that your store focuses on certain genres um, or certain authors or do you try to get a fairly wide variety considering your
2: size? Yeah. Well, I think because we're in Leith and Leith is so densely populated that we kind of have to have a little bit of everything because there are people who yeah. will come and expect to see all kinds of different things. But I think naturally we're sort of we're selling a lot of things just completely across the board all of the sections go down in a very satisfying way but we've been having a lot of success with personal you know personal pride I like this a lot for our shop is that we sell a lot of horror and I think yeah horror I think is often a bit of a, a discounted genre it often ends up sort of vestigial little section at the end of sci-fi but I think people are really engaging with our horror selection which I appreciate a lot
0: oh that's really nice do you have a favorite um horror genre
2: Mm. Or a uh, horror within, genre, horror within, book. I mean, <laughs> gothic horror is always... Oh, horror, horror book. Oh, um, very partial to... I read Mexican Gothic last year, which was amazing. Yes. I um, see. From my most recent horror book club, we read The King in Yellow, which was really interesting. Uh, sort of like pre-Lovecraft cosmic horror. had its problems, of course, but still super, super interesting. of Smoking in Bed in Mariana Enriquez. sort of modern sort of gothic fable based horror it's also really good the answer is no i can't choose
0: yeah hard to pick we did an episode on mexican gothic this oh, year really? and that book oh my gosh i could not put it down it was yes it's, yeah, it's so, amazing
2: how she has a book out in almost every genre at the moment as well she's incredible
0: yeah she i mean she just had i saw a new release she's yeah. such a good author Insane, talented.
2: sci-fi, straight fiction, and horror as well. Like she seems to be unstoppable.
0: Yeah, I mean, she she is absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Do you find that there are certain books or genres that are more popular or sought after at the store?
2: I think, like I said before, I think we're pretty pretty saleable across the board. Um, fiction, obviously, sort of, I think in any bookshop will naturally just tend to sell more. Yeah, uh, I think we're also seeing a lot of success with nature writing. Um, oh, very! A lot cool. of nature writing at the moment. Um, politics as well. People are really, really engaged. Um, and horror as well. You know, so I think those three—you know—sort of literary fiction, straight fiction, and horror and nature writing seem to be sort of leading the leading the charge at the moment.
0: Very cool. Very very cool. Um, I noticed on your Instagram that you guys um, have multiple book clubs. What goes into picking each book or sort of picking what type of book club that you wanted to have Mm -hmm. at your store?
2: Hmm. Well, I think we, yeah, so we have fiction, horror, translated crime, and a wildcard one that changes genre every month. And I think those had always been the plan. I think one of the booksellers had been running their own translated crime book club and it just sort of got folded into the shop.
0: Oh, very cool. in
2: terms of picking the books, we... We chose the first two for each one just so that there was books around and then we could be prepared for the first two. But from the next point on, we'll be sort of getting people to pick their own books to a theme, sort of putting them in a hat and drawing one. But I think what makes a good book for a book club is just, it doesn't have to be good. It just, you know, it doesn't have to be, you know, quote unquote good, but it has to prompt discussion. It has to invoke strong feelings in people enough to be able to make it worth talking about.
0: Absolutely. What have been some of the books um, you guys have talked about so far?
2: So we did um, King and Yellow for a horror one. Um, we did Mrs. Death, Mrs. Death. Um, oh, yeah. for yeah. Which was really, really interesting. We did The Feather Thief for our wildcard ones. We sort of did nature writing slash true crime. So okay. that one, that's an incredible book if people haven't heard of it. The story is absolutely wild. And the translated crime was The Village of the Eight Graves by Seishi Yokomizo, uh, by Pushkin Vertigo, who do amazing translated crime. Very A lot of the translated that's available at the moment is Japanese, which is good, but we're also trying to branch out and see what else we can find in translation.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, how can people get involved if they're interested in joining your book clubs?
2: Um, they can go to the Instagram. Um, On our Instagram, there's a little link tree in the bio with all the information. Um, I think we completely sold out last month and there's still a few spots left this month. So now is a a good time to get in.
0: That is so exciting. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Yeah, that is great to get so many people involved already because you are fairly new. You guys opened this spring, yeah?
2: Yeah, we're only about two and a half months old. I think we had a sort of Christmas pop-up and sort yes. of prepared people for our our coming. But people have gotten very, very on board. It's a very engaged community already.
0: Your Christmas pop-up was so cute. Did you... Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, I thought it was really nice. Um, I was so excited. I messaged all of my friends about how excited <laughs> I was that a bookshop was right across the street from me. I know we talked about it a little bit last time, so it's probably silly <laughs> for me to re-ask you, but so the people know... Do you feel like having the pop-up really helped you before you opened up the actual store?
2: Um, Definitely. It gave us a lot of very useful data for what people actually wanted. You know, there was a few things we had over Christmas that didn't sell. So, and you know, they were Mm -hmm. things that I'm slowly reintroducing back into the shop once we have a better idea of our our audience, basically. But it meant that I took a big punt on horror over Christmas and people responded really well. It was confident enough for us to get in a full section of it but um
0: that's amazing no, that
2: was really useful data and even just to gauge whether it was a good idea or not you know like it was a we already committed at that point but it was good to <laughs> have, have reassurance that we weren't making a colossal mistake
0: absolutely did you know that you had always wanted it to be sort of a um coffee shop bookstore because i know it's not really like a cafe but you do sell coffee there
2: we do and we're in talks with the bakery next door to be able to sell sort of. Simpler versions of their very elaborate cakes. But, um, oh, very nice! Yeah, it's al- it's always been. There's always going to be some sort of hospitality component. It was originally going to be a bar, but I think with the pandemic, there was a lot more difficulty in because we didn't know if we were going to go into another lockdown, so we didn't yeah. want to be tied up with sort of alcohol licensing stuff, which could have meant we would have been sort of unfairly closed and if we hadn't you know if we'd have been a cafe we'd have stayed open if it was a if it was a bar as well we'd have been closed down so maybe oh, one wow. day but I think you now yeah. having a little cafe is working out well people use it as an alternative as a work from home space you know get out of their house for a bit.
0: Um, I know you said that one of your employees was having a translated c- crime book club that you <laughs> then just sort of merged in with your bookstore do you <laughs> find that picking books is very collaborative. Like, do you talk a lot with everyone that you work with to sort of figure out what everyone is reading and what are some favourite books that everyone is enjoying?
2: Um, I think because it's a different one of us that runs each of the groups, I think we try to do ones that we've not read. Whoever's running it hasn't read, but we'll always take recommendations. And I think if you're picking to a theme as well, sometimes, you know, you're kind of backed into a corner, like um, the bookseller who yeah. runs Translated Crime. It's been doing it for a couple of years now. So sometimes there's just a drought of good translated crime coming out. So mm-hmm. they're definitely sort of hunting into the dark corners to find more and more obscure things, which is definitely very, turns out some very interesting stuff.
0: Yeah, very, very. Well, do you have any other events coming up or anything special for the Edinburgh Independent Bookshop Week?
2: So since we've only really been open for a short time, it's just been getting open every day and staying, mm-hmm. you know, surviving under the tram works as well, has sort of occupied most of our time. We're, we're doing the um, free book token scheme sort of as long uh, as well as every other member of the Booksellers Association. But I think we're focusing more on independent bookshop day in october for when we're going to have some interesting stuff but i think we're just gonna keep doing what we're doing we've got a book launch next week we've got a a penguin history book coming out about um content subjectors in world war one still a couple of uh, world war two so a couple of tickets left for that one and then we've got board game night coming up this week as well which isn't very it's a very independent bookshop week but it's very community-based so i enjoy that too
0: Oh, that is so fun! Um, tell us a little bit about board game night. Do you pick a game ahead of time, or what goes into that?
2: No. So, one of the people who works at the shop is also a board game designer in their spare time, and they're an obsessive. Oh my gosh! And we have, I think, maybe about half of their board game collection in the just in the back of the shop. So people just come play whatever game they like. I think we've got about sixty games, most of which we can buy in for people as well. So it's not entirely out of the kindness of our hearts, but it is free to come along and play the games. And it just is a really nice atmosphere.
0: Wow. That is so cool. Oh my goodness. I can't even imagine being a board game designer. That is such a fun opportunity too, to get people in. Me neither.
2: It was, it it evolved very naturally. This was never, it was never intended to, Bookshop was never intended to have a sideline in board games, but here we are. (laughs) Things just work out that way.
0: Well, um, one of our final questions Mm -hmm. before we let you go, Um, Adam, if you can, what Mm -hmm. is your favorite book?
2: So I think when we talked about this before, I chose three, but now I yes. can pretend we didn't talk about those ones and talk about three more books, just completely Perfect. different, ones, and they'll never know what my other ones were. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think um, I've been reading my folk. My attention span has been quite bad recently, so I'm reading a lot of short stories. So recently, I've read um, "Her Body and Other Parties" by Carmen Ria Um Very, very good, creepy but not straight horror short stories about. Um, sort of feminist spins on sort of Argentinian folk tales. That's a great book. Um, Doll's Alphabet by Camilla Cordova. I read recently as well. I think I'm more talking about favorite genre at this point. It's definitely creepy short stories for me at the moment. It's what's consuming a lot of my time.
0: Love it. I Gosh, I don't think I I struggle to get into short stories. So if you have a favorite short story collection, definitely mm. let me know because I would love to try to get into some.
2: I think there's ones that there's ones that very, very good ideas but they don't give you enough and it sort of leaves you hungry. But then there's ones that are just sort of perfectly formed that give you a full experience in a very short amount of time. And I think writing writing a good short story as an art is, you know, as yeah important and as difficult as writing a novel. Maybe even harder trying to fit in a full Arc or progression or story into you know something that can be the length of a page. So no, they fascinate me.
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, before we let you go, could you tell us mm-hmm. where people can find Argonaut Books um, and what your store store hours are? Oh, excuse me.
2: Absolutely. Um, we're at the foot of the walk, which is the other end of Leith Walk from Elm Road. Um, we're in the old Leith Central Train Station. Yeah, so right at the bottom of Leith Walk towards the water. Our hours are Sundays. Um, seven days a week, Sundays to Thursdays, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. and Friday, Saturdays, 10 till 8, just to give people who are working regular nine to five hours a chance to pop in too.
0: Perfect. Thank you so much. You guys, if you are in the UK or in Edinburgh, I cannot recommend this bookstore enough. Everyone there has been so friendly and so helpful, truly, every time I go in. Everyone is so nice. I notice every single time I've purchased a book, like, People have been able to talk to me about my purchase, which I just think is like really <laughs> cool. Ten out of ten, recommend. Any final words of wisdom before we let you go?
2: I have no wisdom. I am I am an idiot. <laughs> um, oh, keep, oh no! Keep, I'm
0: so sorry.
2: Keep, keep keep reading books. Support your local bookshops. Um, now more than ever, I think it's important that they exist as community spaces. Spaces, I think, after COVID, kind of. A an unpopular decision, at least in my opinion, that the libraries were turned into COVID testing centres. It's never been more important that people get their hands on books and keep reading. Get out there for Independent Bookshop Week.
0: Definitely. With that, Adam, we will let you go. Thank you so, so much for joining us. And um, everyone who stuck around, stay tuned for- and we will see you all soon. Hey, everyone. Me again. Just wanted to say thank you so much for joining us for Edinburgh Independent Bookshop Week. It was so much fun to get to chat with two different bookstores and talk about the Portobello Bookshop. You guys get out there and support independent bookstores. They are always filled with the loveliest people, the best recommendations, and especially if you are in Edinburgh, be sure to check out your favorite spot. And with that, we heckin' did it, you guys. Thank you so much for listening. If you like what you heard, share us with your other bookish friends and family. And if you're listening with Spotify or Apple Podcasts, be sure to rate and review the show. If you're interested in joining our Novel Finds community on Patreon, please follow the link in our bio. And be sure to follow us on Instagram at Novel Finds Podcast. As always, thank you for being a novel friend. We will see you all in two weeks.